Welcome to the mother of all derbies. Wunderbar, Sokrates zu weit weg und weit Feller zu weit vom Tor. Und der Treffer zählt. Burgstaller 4-1. Lobianka, Arit. Arit und Tor. Und 4 zu 2 nur noch. Kalicuri. Immer noch Kalicuri, der hängt ihn rein. 4 zu 3. Lobianka. Der kommt gut. Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Shaka podcast worldwide. This is Shaka America, and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Shaka fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English, not only in the US of A, but Canada, Wales, and all over the UK and all over the world. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. Joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Happy Victory Tuesday. If you're going to drop whales in the intro, you got to do some daily Welsh then, right? <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass myself, but maybe next podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, Victory Tuesday, I, I guess. Uh, I don't really know if today's result felt like much of a victory, given the way that thing ultimately went. And uh, the uh, the Derby result this weekend to me felt like a loss personally. So, uh, kind of a strange couple of results, a strange week. Lots to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about, and obviously the Riviera Derby is going to be the the main talking point. But we're going to start with something we saw today, and something is what I don't know what it was. Um, the first half was amazing, uh, specifically the 15th through the what 31st minute when we got scored three goals. We looked like we were going to wipe them off the face of the earth with uh, the uh, the way we were playing and, and obviously the goals. I just thought we were going to keep scoring goals. And for good reason, you know, with like the last three minutes of the half, they decided to just keep it in their own possession and and, and run the clock out. I get that. I get that. Uh, but then what we saw in the second half, um, head scratching, right? Yeah, I mean, is it though? Here's my <laughs> fair here's, point. Fair here's point. Here's my question to you, and, and I hate that we're kind of going to be doing this again. I know that the last podcast we released was pretty negative, mostly as a result of me <laughs> on that one. So I, I, this is, <laughs> I apologize if this Back one and the last folks. one have been sort of a difficult, difficult listening for anybody out there. I will try to be more positive soon. But like, here's the thing, like Richard, like g- give me a yes or no answer to this. Like honestly, did you expect to walk into Armenia Bielefeld and and just like dominate the game. No. no. Okay. So you didn't. At halftime, three up. Did you expect to waltz to a victory in the second forty-five? Uh, honestly, um, 
the 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 shock part of me that I've seen you know from you know my whole life you know following them, I I knew it was going to be close. But the optimist in me was saying, you know, maybe David Wagner knows something that you know the last few managers hasn't, and he's going to just tell the guys ram it down their throat and 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 end this game quick. He did not, and I should have gone with my instinct, right? Um, it, it was the same old, same old heart pounding, lose four years of your life uh, type thing. I'm quoting uh, uh, six one shock of four, of course, but yeah, I, I should have known better. Yeah, I mean, and I felt the same way walking into this game, which and, and this is not, you know, it's a second division club. They're not, they're not a bad team, but I wasn't confident that we were going to um, handle this match. Uh, very comfortably, and even at halftime, when we're three 0 up and we've played pretty well and we've looked, you know, pretty irresistible offensively, I had no confidence that that result was going to hold. Because because I've seen, I, I know this club, and I I wish we could get to a point where I didn't feel that way anymore. Because it'd be really really nice if I could just enjoy matches when we're scoring goals and winning and just be happy about it. But I can't even like derive joy from that because I I know the DNA of this club and. We're just choke jobs, dude. It, it it brings me no joy. Like I'm tired of it. But like it just it, so I wasn't surprised at all that they came back in the second half. Um, and it's 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 sad that that occurred because <laughs> if we're gonna be a big club, if we're gonna become that club again that is consistently and comfortably qualifying for Champions League and potentially challenging for a title, if that's what we want to be as a club, these kind of things can't happen. And that's not to say that you know there, there's never upsets. Not to say that Bayern never loses. I mean, like, you know, Manchester City gets knocked out of domestic cups all the time. Hoffenheim lost today. There you go. I'm, I'm just saying, like, we should be able to go into a, t- like, you know, a, a ground like that and dominate like we did in the first half. And then it shouldn't even be a second thought in the second half. Right. The scoreline should increase or it should stay the same. And it was just so predictable that it wasn't going to be that way. And it was, I don't know. It's just. I'm almost kind of numb to it. It's really, and that's. It, it, I shouldn't be. It's kind of. It's kind of sad that that's the case. Anyway, let's 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 continue. Yeah. No. No. I, I. I was hoping that fourth goal would come in, but when they, as soon as they scored, I'm like, crap. Here we go. Um. And 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 it was just no white knuckling the whole way there. Um. If if we can take positive from this, I don't know. Can we? Um. That 15 minute stretch where we did look very irresistible, as you said, and we had two guys get off the snide. Will it pan out? Pan out in the in the Bundesliga? Who knows? But. Alexander Schoff with a fantastic strike, uh, with a uh, assist maybe from Weston McKinney, and then uh, Benito Rahman with uh, a beautiful chip over the goalie, and then uh, great team play between Harit Uth and Yes Uth and um, and Rahman again to get that second goal. So, can we take positives from those goals at least? That you know those guys got off the schneid, and maybe this will do some good for them going forward in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I I don't think that. Maybe the Schupf one is as, as impactful from sort of a, a season narrative as Rahman, just because I don't think many of us expect Schupf to be scoring, being a major goal contributor anyway. Right, right. Rahman, potentially we do, because, you know, it's the guy we brought in for $14 million or whatever we spent on him, hoping he would bolster the attack. And, um, you know, the first few opportunities he got early in the season uh, did not impress at all and then was basically dropped from the team for a number of weeks so yeah nice for him to get the start and to get on the score sheet and as you said that first goal was was very well taken it was a clever finish very composed very calm excuse me sorry and um that second goal uh maybe not the silkiest 
of team play. It, it, we almost kind of messed it up a couple times, but ultimately um, it comes back to Raman and he's able to get it in off the post. So yeah, two goals for him, which I think everyone was pleased to see. Um, you know, just because some of these guys, you know, haven't performed initially, doesn't mean we're rooting against them. Like I, I would love if, if Bergstahler and Markut and Raman and these people start scoring goals. I would love that because it probably means the team's performing well. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe Raman takes something from that. Maybe that helps him get back into the starting lineup and make an impact in, in some Bundesliga matches. Cause I think that's what we all care about a little bit more at the moment. Um, I don't know. Maybe some fans disagree with that. They think, "Hey, the DFB Pokal is an opportunity for us to get a trophy, so we should we should really care about that." Uh, I'm more concerned with just getting back at the Champions League this season, personally. So I, I put a little bit more, yeah, I, I put a little bit more stock in in those matches. But um, yeah, so there was some squad rotation in this one, which we kind of knew was going to be the case because Wagner, you know, mentioned that was going to be the case in advance of this one. Um, do you want to get into lineups real quick? Yeah, go for it. So uh, Nubel in goal which I found a little bit interesting personally. I don't know how you felt about it, but you know, a, a lot of teams... I wanted to see Schubert, honestly. I did as well. And there's a lot of teams that'll have you know, their, their starting goalkeeper play you know, the league matches, but then there'll be a different keeper that plays all the cup matches or the Champions League matches or right. something along those lines. Um, you know, we, just did so that. Can, we did that a couple years ago. Did we? I forget. Yeah, when uh, Farman would start off the league games and, and Nubel would play the Champions League games. Most of them. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, you said a couple years ago. I was trying to. Uh, I don't. I yeah, can. Yeah. yeah. No, it's all good. <laughs> um. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I, I was kind of hoping that you know, because Schubert was is an exciting prospect as well, um, and somebody that hasn't gotten any game time. So I was I was kind of hoping that maybe we'd see him in this one just to get a look at him. Um. But you know, Nubel gets Nubel gets to start. Uh, in the in the back. We had Bastiano Chipka, Salif Sane, um, Ozan Kabak gets the start, and then John Joe Kenny at right back. And obviously, the, the biggest news in terms of center back is that um, uh, so Istanbuli, it was revealed, uh, broke a bone in his foot yeah. um, during the Dortmund match. And so he is going to be out potentially long term from what we heard. I, I, I heard as, as, as long as um, post Winterpause, I don't know what you heard. Um, and so that that's very worrying because he's been the guy. It's been we were sl- just praising him in the last podcast, or the one, or maybe the one before that. How uh, the one where we were lost, we were talking about how he's actually become better this year, and he's been a stabling influence. And then this happens. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, it's been a Sane Stambouli partnership pretty much every match so far in this one. So that's a that's a big loss. Um, but it's, I mean, that that's not the reason we'd like to see the rotation happen. But at least there was some rotation. I I was excited to get a look at him, uh, Kabak in, in a uh, in a non cameo appearance because a lot of times he's been subbed on like in the eighty eighth minute as an extra defensive sub in the last couple minutes, which I don't think is really a useful no sample of him. Um, and then the typical uh, Diamond Mascarell in the six. Weston McKinney comes back into the lineup if he missed the Dortmund game with injury, but he was back in this one. Shop opposite him on the left-hand side. Harit at the 10. And then um, a partnership of Mark Oot and Benito Raman. What were your thoughts on that striking partnership? Um, I'd rather them in the Pokal than in the league at the moment. Um, I thought... I mean, I would obviously would want to see Katuchu play because it's freaking never plays anymore. Um, but, you know, I was willing to give them a second opportunity and see what they would do against a, a lesser opponent. Um, so I was okay. I'm glad it wasn't Berkstaller for once. 
um, and not to not to deviate too too quick too far, but did you see the thing I sent you um, where it was Bergsteller and uh, they took his mask off and it was actually beneath, uh, Fed- uh, Franco Di Santo underneath? Yes, I did see that. That's that was hilarious. A Scooby Scooby Doo meme. Scooby Doo, yes. Anyway, to go back, yeah, uh, I was okay with it just because I you know if those guys are gonna get opportunity to try to get in there and try to gain some confidence, that would have been the the game I want to see as opposed to uh, a big a big league game. How about you? Yeah, I was I was fine with Raman being in there. I just I just fully expected Katushu to get a start because Wagner came out and said, "Hey, we're gonna have some squad rotation," and Katushu just can't crack Bundesliga minutes for whatever reason, and then he can't even apparently get on the field at a second division team in the DFP Pokal. It's it's Mark Ud who gets the nod, which was pretty frustrating. Um, once again, I, I just I, I, I'm it's getting to the point where there must be something going on behind the scenes. Or maybe he's just not. Tra- I mean, he's getting the substitute appearances in matches, so clearly it's not like he's like playing horribly or training horribly. I just don't understand why Wagner is not giving an opportunity for a significant more chunk of minutes. I, I just, I, I. It, and when he I, plays I, with the youth team, he scores goals all the time. So I'm like, what's going on? And like, I got some good insight when at uh, one of the one of the Derby Revere Derby uh, watch parties that I was at in um, in Leesburg, Virginia. I got some insight about you know some of the guys who were having troubles last year and what was going on behind the scenes. So that was interesting to hear. But I mean, I wonder if you know maybe I mean Katucha's playing like you said, so it, it can be that. What's the what's the deal? Um, yeah, I mean, there's he, not there's not many things we can say that we haven't. Man already said about it yeah let's just let's hope that maybe we see something then um of course the frustrating thing was in this match uh ultimately there's a, there's a striker that's substituted on <laughs> and it's Guido Bergstaller <laughs> yes so not not only is Bergstaller finally out of the starting lineup uh but Katuchu isn't the guy that's put in there and then when there's a striker sub it's Bergstaller back in it's just it, it, I mean <laughs> it, I, I honestly started laughing um I did too but anyway, there you go. So some squad rotation. Got to see some different people. Um, good to have McKenny back in there. I thought he looked pretty good in this one. Yeah. Um, Serdar ultimately gets subbed on. Uh, Nastasic makes a very late appearance. But, I mean, the story of this game is just, as as you said, it just an, an, an absolute collapse. And, and you were talking with me before we started recording um, about what Phil Bonney, friend of the podcast, was saying at halftime, which was essentially that, we need to be wary about taking our foot off the gas and, and letting them back in. And then, you know, it's exactly what happened. And I, w- I was shocked they didn't get a third goal because it, this wasn't just like a team that kind of played a really good match and crawled back in. This was an absolute capitulation by Schalke. And it's it just, it's inexcusable. It, we were, we were like, it, it was, it was a fire drill the last 10, 15 minutes of that match. It was, it was insane. Oh, the post was our best friend in that. Cause, uh, Nubel kept getting out of position, like terribly, uh, luckily, Kenny's bailed us out of one play, and Sonny did as well, and some other stuff. But oh uh, my goodness, I was, I was, I, I had, uh, it was just heartbreaking because I'm like, what the hell is going on? Everyone's like, this is bullshit. Well, I said this is bullshit, but other people were like, what the hell is going on here? And uh, man, even even the Shaka Shaka account was like, end this now. <laughs> you think Byron was watching that new performance? I hope so. I what hope was, so. What was that? I don't know, man. And it wasn't just him; it was it was like the whole team. But I mean, I I sincerely hope Wagner ripped them to pieces in the changing room afterwards because it, it it was it was unacceptable. So this is what I was expecting at halftime because you know after the third goal, um, they were obviously trying to feed Rahman for the hat trick uh, before halftime, and and you would do you should do so, but it was it threw him off their game because they kept trying to go to Rahman instead of going for the obvious play that was you know it was whoever was open. 
Um, and I get that they're trying to feed their teammate, give them confidence. Um, but you know, going to halftime, I want, I was hoping that, you know, um, Wagner would sit down the team and be like, okay, let's, yes, we want to give him the hat trick, but let's stop feeding him. Let's play our game, continue on and keep running it down their throat, put seven up on this team. They didn't do that. And that tells me that Wagner was probably was like, oh, nobody get hurt, you know, or something like that. Um, cause they completely just put off the foot of the gas and, and let Armenia back into it. And, uh, it was just embarrassing to see. And I'm sure other teams, you know, first see the score line at halftime, three nothing. Like, okay, Shaka is taking care of a second division opponent. At, you know, if it's good, a good Bundesliga squad up three nothing against a, a good second division squad, then you're like, okay, this team maybe is legit. But then you let them back in and give him, you gave him heart. And um, yeah, it it just shouldn't happen if this if, no. if if this is a good match in the beginning, that's fine. Like if you know if they come out and they're and they're playing well and you guys are going toe to toe, whatever. But if you're up three nil, you it can't get to that point. It just can't. And I mean, like. Bielefeld, to their credit, came out in this one very early and, I mean, left themselves open to attack. They were trying to play initially, and they got absolutely burned doing that. Um, but, you know, the, the change in the second half wasn't so much that they were sitting back and, 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 and trying to hit on the counter, which was like kind of the case, but, I mean, like, not entirely. It was, it was as you said, it was a, we took our foot off the gas. And, back passes, back passes, back passes. All I mean, those. just, yeah, lost the initiative, and... Uh, it just looked like we we just kind of assumed it was going to be as easy, and you just can't you can't cede that kind of ground in a game. Um, luckily, we're still we're still fighting, and we live we live to see another day in this competition. Um, but yikes! I mean, what could have been a very positive performance um, is is a little bit of a worrying performance now. It is, it is, and we we escape with a one goal victory. Uh, who knows who we play in the next round? But um, I don't know. It's it just uh, it's worrying how the game ended, you know. And you look at the overall performance, not just the, the first forty five. And I hope Wagner, you know, rip, rips into them and 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 tries to set them straight because that's that's unacceptable um, for a team to be up three nothing and then let the team nearly back three three. So um, especially if a team with the lower division. So. Anyway, uh, that was the DFB Pokal. It was uh, it was interesting for sure. Uh, but let's get on to the the main talking point in this one, and it's the Riviera Derby. Is why why we're here, right? We did a whole uh, Choose Blue campaign with Schalke and Umbro and and doing giveaways and whatnot, and um, it was fun, man. It was uh, uh, other than the, the end result. I mean, during during the game, you know, um, before we even get to that, all the watch parties. Well, it was a five watch parties around the U.S. Uh, myself, I went out to uh, Leesburg, Virginia, and uh, and you know saw Shaka Shaka US out there, and a bunch of bunch of fans came out. Um, uh, it was really fun, you know, the bar over there that I was at, Donor Bistro. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, it's Shaka Bar, man. They got a back room with all Shaka stuff. They there's a a youth team, uh, the Kanapin, or not Kanapin, <laughs> the uh, Leesburg Kanapin. Um, you know, they take after Shaka, and the whole room is just set up with you know Shaka gear all over the place. It's awesome. Um, I was surprised to see how big this place was, and uh, I'm definitely going to go back there again for sure. So, uh, but there's watch parties all around the U.S. You know, you, we were seeing pictures on Twitter and stuff how how packed it was, and, and all these locations, Amsterdam Tavern, and uh, place up in New York City, Legends Bar. So, uh, great turnout for the for the uh, Schalke fans, and uh, it was a um, a fun atmosphere. It seemed like not only at the bars but at the games, Jack uh, Schalke. Uh, the crowd was awesome. I thought it was a little too much uh, Dortmund supporters there, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, but there was a banner uh, before the game 
uh, that Shaka unveiled, and it said, no matter young or old, no matter big or small, Shaka is forever my club. And I'm obviously paraphrasing. It was in German. Um, but uh, the Shaka fans, they came out. They're ready for this one, Jack. Yeah, I saw some uh, some clips on, on Twitter of people that were in the stadium that had recorded uh, you know, shots of the Nord Curve, and, and I mean, it's it looked like an incredible atmosphere as you would expect for a match of uh this magnitude. Glad to hear that you had a good time at the watch party uh in in Leesburg. Of course, me to keep the meme alive uh, <laughs> did not make it down to St. Louis Amsterdam Tavern because we know I like to talk about doing that on this podcast. Then ultimately, didn't it just didn't work with my scheduling this weekend? But um, they had a good time out down there as well. Um, so yeah, everyone obviously uh geared up and excited for this one uh which which made a lot of sense given that both teams are off to a pretty good start um and this this had the potential to uh flip our positions in the table um if we had won this one we could have we could have passed them and obviously the bragging rights and everything like that so um big big match uh how did you ultimately feel with the result in this one how did I feel? I like I felt like uh, kind of like you when we were talking pre-pod. Uh, kind of feels like a loss, right? Because we did everything but score. And I hate seeing the replays of this of the highlights of the game because it shows like Dortmund was like the dominant team. It's like they weren't. Jaden Sancho had a couple opportunities in the game that Noble saved. Uh, other than that, it was all Shaka for majority of the game up until maybe the last 10-15 minutes. Uh, Shaka looked like the more dominant team. They looked like they should have been the one who who been who would have been up. Unfortunately, we just didn't capitalize, and we we know who started the game, and we we're gonna probably talk about it more. But um, that was just part of the problems there. But overall, I thought we we looked good. We looked like uh, a team better than we were last. Like last year, we looked like we struggled a bit um, all season long. But we looked like a team that was maybe serious to be uh, European uh, European spot contender, right? Uh, yeah. We look, we look fairly good, and it looked like a top table, top spiel. It looked like a top spiel. Yeah, at it least, was, at least was, on our end, <laughs> which was nice to see. But yeah, I mean, for me, it felt felt like a loss. Obviously, not to the extent that I'm sure Dortmund fans felt like they lost in that in that four four after blowing that large of large the of a lead. Job, obviously, the choke job. Yes, I remember. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who could forget? <laughs> um, obviously, we didn't we didn't blow a lead in this game, but yeah, it, it certainly felt like a game that we should have capitalized and should have taken advantage of. Um, and as well as we played in this one, it was weird because I like let's, the Leipzig game, for example. We played really well in that game, but I felt as if it was like we were just dominating them. Yeah, and it was it was what we were doing from a tactical perspective and how effective we were being in the pressing game. This game, I think part of it was like, Dortmund was just bad. Yeah, like we were playing well and we were putting them under some decent pressure, but they were just not connecting on passes that they normally would. It was a very strange match. They would try to transition and they'd get close to the final third, and we would just find a way to tackle them like every time or intercept a pass. It was really strange from from Dortmund they, in the first half in particular. They they could not get anything going. They made us look much better than than we were for sure. I mean, I, I I thought we were good, but I mean, I thought they made us look really good. I mean, like like you said, the final third, we were just shutting them down. And we're like, what's going on? Is like, is this is this real? Are we watching this for real? But uh, I mean, I mean, and you know, going the other way, you know, as a shout out to uh, Facebook Shaka Shaka USA Club on on um, on Facebook, jo- uh, Joseph Lacrida, he he commented, you know, wish we won the derby because we had so many chances. 
the post was uh, Dortmund's best defender by far. And it's true because we had a couple, a lot of posts, and we'll talk to one, about one person in particular. But um, every time we got close, something interfered. Hits, hits, made, a, hits made a start, um, a shocking start over Berkey. Uh, maybe shocking, maybe it's not, but um, he did well. But uh, the post did really well as well. I well, saying well too much. Uh, why don't you start talking? <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like, Jaden Sancho had a chance very early on in this one, but after that, they did nothing for the rest of the first half. Um, right, right. But, it, it, yeah, it was strange. So, I mean, I want to give us some credit, but I think it was just a weird... I mean, like, Delaney and Witzel in the middle of the pitch for them were just brutal. Yes. That was not a good... And they, they hurt yeah. us last year, too. Those two. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with them, but that has just been kind of a... That has not been working recently. Um. Anyway, let's, let's hop into the lineups on this one, I think. Uh you want to start with Dortmund? I guess uh, I'll, I'll I'll hit Dortmund. Uh, like I mentioned before, hits uh, Marvin hits uh, made the the starting goal over Berkey. Uh, their back line was Pischek, the the the, the stalwarts there. Uh, Weigel playing defense with Hummels and then Guerrero, uh, who who has torches in the past. In the midfield, you had of course Witzel, Delaney, uh, Jaden Sancho, Marco Royce back in the lineup. Uh, Hakimi moving up into the into the midfield, and then Gotza in his false nine, the, the De Santo role, if you will. Um, a couple notes on this, you know, coming into this game, I thought Hakimi had been playing a little dirty, not only in the Champions League, but also in, in Bundesliga games that I've been watching, but he, he, he played good in this game, um, but, um, or clean in this game, I should say. This lineup really, you know, seen, I knew what this team was was capable of coming against us. Um, Jaden Sancho is obviously a worry, but seeing Marco Royce in, insert into the lineup, you know, had me a little worried because Marco Royce is a, a, a phenomenal football player. Um, doesn't matter what color he's wearing. He is a good football player, and I was worried that he could be uh, someone we couldn't contain along with Jaden Sancho, and luckily for us, that wasn't the case. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like the thing is, like they, they have some solid depth as well because, I mean, obviously there's all the guys that you're talking about that are that are on the pitch to start off, but, I mean, you have the likes of Jakob Brun Larson and Kanji and Zagadou. Yeah, right? Um, and uh, Julian Brandt, Ahud, Hazard, Nico Schultz. Like, these are all... Um, guys that if they were inserted into the starting lineup, you wouldn't think twice about it. Yep. Um. So yeah, I mean it's a strong it's a strong Dortmund squad. Uh, at the moment, um, I thought it was interesting that we didn't get either Brandt or Hazard to start. Um, and yeah, as you said, Rafael Guerrero in there. I believe he scored his first ever Bundesliga goal against us in the four four. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's kind of I mean obviously he's gonna be in that lineup and try to repeat that for sure. Yeah, and uh, so that's uh, that was the Dortmund lineup. Uh, you want to get into the Schalke lineup for us? Uh, Nubel and goal, as you would expect. Uh, back four, same as it's been all year. Kenny, Stambouli, Sané, Ochipka, right to left. Um, Diamond, again, which is what Wagner has been going with almost exclusively the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, Mascarell at the six. Um, as we said earlier, Weston McKinney was still recovering from injury in this one. So it was Daniel Caligiuri on the right side of that diamond. Serdar um, was able to recover health-wise and get into the lineup in this with Harit uh, at the 10 and then the striker partnership again of uh, Robbie Matondo and Guido Bergstaller. So um, I don't think we were really surprised by that. Just once again, no. disappointing that there wasn't a change up there um, because obviously we didn't expect Bergstaller to make an impact on the score sheet. And of course he did not um, on the bench. What do we have going on? The Stasic, Schupf, Mark Upanito, Raman, Mark Schubert, uh, Miranda, Kabak, and Gattuccio, a lot of usual suspects there. Um, yeah, I mean, not, not a lot of talking points. I think the only thing is just the Caligiuri insertion and then 
Um, that's, that's basically it because this is this is kind of what we've been rolling with for, for quite a while. It is, it is, and uh, I see in the lineup. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, but I started the free Katuchu movement in the bar. Um, people joined in too. People were like, "Why isn't Katuchu playing?" I'm like, "I know, I know." <laughs> it was great to hear. I'm glad, I'm glad we're not the only ones, Jack. Um, no, shout out to everyone out there. Uh, even uh, I saw a bunch of people in, in today's game yelling out free Katuchu as well. So um, that, that there's that. Uh, I had some talking points I want to talk about because I don't really want to go in by a minute necessarily. Um, if there's some time, maybe we will. But Really, some of the talking points. I mean, you kind of brought up, you know, that Dorman kept turning it over, and the effective press is one of my one of my um, one of my talking points. I thought that Schalke did a good job of pressing, uh, especially early, pressing up high as well, and and putting pressure on the defense of of Dortmund with the ball. It did cause a lot of turnovers, uh, unusual turnovers that we were not used, we're not accustomed to seeing Dortmund doing, and and it was very effective for us for for the majority of the game. Because, um, like you said, we were putting a lot of pressure on them, and and we looked like the better team by far in this game, uh, for most of it. And the press had a lot to do with it. Yeah, and we 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 did well in in that regard. Um, Mascarell really continues to impress. Yes, um, yes. This is an entirely different player to what we saw last year. I think I think we're you know we are really beginning to see. Kind of the, the the high end of what this guy is capable of, um, been very very solid. So that's that's been a huge development to have him at the base of that diamond and playing that well. Um, I do think we were benefited a little bit in the fact that Felix Brick in this game, the ref, the official, um, really letting people play, yes, trying not to blow the whistle at all, even when there were I thought blatant fouls committed by both teams at times. I know there was one early in the match where I think Harit practically tackled Mario Goetze. Yes. Um, and launched a counterattack, and I thought that was for sure a foul, and Goetze was obviously completely perplexed. So I think that maybe benefited us in our ability to break up some of those Dortmund attacks a little bit just because uh, you know, we didn't have an official on this one with a, a trigger finger, so to speak. Um, Wasn't you know, that nice to see, cards. though? Wasn't that nice to see for it, once? It was. I thought it was a little bit over the top because, like I said, I thought there were times where it was like, all right, that, I mean, that's, that's clearly a foul. We need, to, we need to be worried about like player safety at some point. But <laughs> in general, yeah, of course, I, I enjoy officials you know trying to play advantage when possible and not calling ticky tack fouls and letting people be a little bit physical as long as it's not you know over the top um so i mean yeah, i agree but yeah uh it just the, the the press the press was good i just like i said i, I thought we were like i thought we were really hungry uh, in terms of the way that we we went after the ball and everything it just I, to me like i said it was just it was just sloppy from Dortmund. like I, I don't think our press accounted for all of that um they just were off of it for some reason and completely out of sync. Like I said, after that initial Sancho chance, they didn't really do anything. And, uh, it was like t- to the point where it was like weird to watch. Yeah. Because, you know, even if, even if we're playing a match against Dortmund where, you know, I'm, I'm used to in recent seasons, Dortmund being a better team than us. Significant opportunities. Yeah. And like them and, and kind of, you know, you got like a, you know, a pit in your stomach half the game watching this thing because you feel like they could kind of score at any moment and like that was not the case in this one at all and it was it was just a strange experience watching them fail to get anything going so much it was not you know a typical Dortmund performance from what I'm used to seeing personally but um yeah so very I mean very positive start and and we had a plethora of opportunities we'll get into that here in a minute because that's one of my talking points but another talking point is um this ended up zero zero as we know first zero zero in the Riviera derby since 1996 when coincidentally david wagner played in it it was all seven minutes worth but uh still nonetheless that was interesting tidbit i could have sworn there was another zero zero in there 
one or two times, but I guess not. One one draw. There were several several draws. So overall, the uh, the uh, the overall I guess wins loss in the series is thirty three wins for Dortmund, thirty two for Schalke, and thirty draws now. Um, so obviously there was plenty of draws throughout throughout our history, uh, as it as it would be in a, in a derby. So it's I mean this is like a true derby. It's almost like split down the middle uh, with everything. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and so part of the appeal of this fixture, I, I mean, outside of just kind of the the grandeur of it, so to speak, is just that these matches actually tend to usually be pretty entertaining matches. Um, there, there's goals scored almost all the time, no matter the as form, you said. Right? Yeah, because I mean, even if there are draws, like there it, there, there tends to be. Uh, goal scored. So this was weird. This was the case where uh, there weren't any. Although I think I think the game was still highly entertaining, despite the lack of goal scored anyway. So I think I think any neutrals that were tuning in, you know, certainly got their money's worth. And it, once again, it, it continues to be a great advertisement uh, for the Bundesliga. It's funny because um, you know we oh the other fans I should say of this derby they always talk about how oh Schalke always chokes with the opportunity to get first place and whenever they get a game like that and then they choke it away and then they don't get the first and they think it's funny and I'm like well it's also funny because you guys choke things away too and how did last year when you choked uh, the championship away losing to us at the end of the season right so uh, it goes both ways. Both teams have struggled in, in, in big games, um, especially in big opportunities, and mostly it's because of the other team. It's That's how good this rivalry is, and it's, uh, they're always one-upping each other, you know, uh, hurting them when, when, they get, when they have a chance to win t- titles. So uh, that's what makes this derby so special. We really should have had Critty on to talk about this. I, I, I did. We were bring him on next week because uh, I did want to bring him on. I just completely forgot with all this, all the games going on. Yeah, I would love to hear his thoughts on the performance of his team at the moment because they've uh... – Critty call us. It's been sort of an inconsistent season for them so far, but yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, didn't di- didn't disappoint at all. Well, uh, these two next talking points are kind of coinciding with each other. Uh, first, you know, we kind of talked last week about you know to play Dortmund, we need pace. Um, we we need pace because this team is a fast team to go against. We inserted pace in this game, and that pace was by Robbie Matando. Robbie Matando, I was uh, he had a he had a very good game, but his finishing was lacking. Maybe because he's playing against Bergsaller and it's rubbing off on him. Um, I don't know. Matando had <laughs> so many opportunities, and this is where you know you were talking about how it didn't seem like we were playing Dortmund because we had like constantly breakaways and, and two on ones. Matando's usually on the end of those. I mean, in the ninth minute, he had an opportunity, a great opportunity. Thirtieth, he had a great opportunity. In forty third, he had a breakaway that that was um, that he missed. In the forty ninth, he had a breakaway as well. In the sixty ninth, he had another opportunity. Um, he had so many opportunities in his game to score goals. And yes, while he didn't score any of them, the fact that he we were using that. I mean, we started using his pace as a way to break that back line. Um, it was great to see that, and that we can maybe use him at least going forward. To try to you know get behind defenses because he's obviously got the pace that nobody can keep up with. Yeah, they they couldn't cope with it at all, um, and it was kind of funny. I mean, it almost looked like they weren't even prepared for it, which I don't know how that's possible. But I mean, that's how bad it was at times in terms of his ability to just completely, completely smoke them. Um, they did not have an answer for it. Uh, I mean, yeah, and absolutely should have had a goal in this game. You know, very unfortunate that he didn't. Um, I think he deserves, you know, some criticism for that. But as I said on Twitter, and as you just kind of mentioned, it's difficult to criticize him when he was at the center of so many good things we were doing on the offensive end. Um, of course, in in stark contrast 
to Guido Bergstahler. I mean, like, you know, at least what you can say about Matondo is that he was consistently getting into dangerous areas and, and, and doing things to, to try and make an impact. And, and Bergstahler, once again, just wasn't that guy. Like, was not really much of a factor on the, on the offensive end going forward. So, um, yeah, I think I think Matondo, uh, you know, still very young. I mean, what is this, you know, his fifth game maybe for a Sh- sixth game for Schalke? Yeah. I mean, like, dating back to last year even, I mean, yeah, I mean, Young still doesn't have a lot of uh, match minutes at, at the senior level um, because he hadn't broken into the Manchester City squad when we had purchased him. Um, so the, the kids obviously got a lot of refinement to work on with his game, but I thought this was um, a hugely promising performance. Then you combine that with the performance he put in against Leipzig. I mean, clearly David Wagner is not shy and about putting him into big matches and he, and he trusts him, um, which is kind of frustrating why he doesn't seem to place that same trust in Katushu mm-hmm. or doesn't seem to think that like Katushu could be effective. Um, similarly, once again, I know that, you know, I'm sure it's, it's the, it's the pressing and the work rate of Bergstahler in, in, in partnership with, with the pace of Matondo and, you know, Katuchu can't match either player um, in terms of what they bring to the table and be as effective as either of them in those specific roles. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think overall it, it bodes well for Matondo that he's uh, being put in these situations uh, by the manager. And I, I think on a different day, he, he certainly would have finished. It was weird. I, you know, I th- his, his finish in the Leipzig match was Impeccable. very composed. Um, I don't know if you remember that one, but it was on the breakaway, and he just oh, kind yeah. of like, yes, you know, side-footed it with the outside of his right foot past the keeper. Galashi was it, – it, I mean, it looked like he had been scoring goals all the time, and that was his first goal for Schalke. Um, he looked nervous in this one in front of net. He, he did not have that same confidence. I don't know if it was just because it was the the, the, the Revere Derby. Or maybe he, because he was so wide open, it was unexpected. He's like, wait a minute, what? what? Yeah, I mean, he was choking a little bit. I don't know. He, he definitely seemed that like, maybe the occasion was a little bit too big for him in this one. Not in terms of his ability to um, play in general, but just when, yeah, when he got to those final moments, he suddenly looked a little bit overwhelmed. So, I mean, that, that was just kind of how it came across to me. Um, but yeah, a positive performance from him overall. And uh I liked what I saw. An overall positive performance by Schalke. They they dominated corners as well, eight to two, and I think those two corners came for Dortmund at the end of the game. So, uh, but you kind of brought up my next talking point, and we got to talk about the elephant in the room, and it's Bergstaller. He was completely ineffective in this game. The lack of pace hurt him, hurt the team, and you know, luckily we had Robbie Matondo to get behind that defense, but. Bergstahl didn't do much in this game, if anything. Uh, he maybe had one opportunity that I think Hits made a great save on. Other than that, he was nowhere to be found. Um, again, disappointing that he gets so many minutes uh, in a game like this, and he nearly played the entire minute, entire game. I think we had, what, like five or six offside calls against us? Yeah. Um, and Matando was involved in that as well, which I'm sure was rubbing off on him as a result yeah. of playing next to Bergstahl. But... It, yeah, it's it's the same it's the same kind of stuff. It's just he's not nearly as effective in, in link up play with his teammates as he needs to be, um, given the lack of everything else that he's he's doing. And then he just yeah he's he's just not he's not somebody I think people have to worry about at this point in time on the offensive end, and that and that that hurts us because it puts more pressure on people like Harid. It puts more pressure on people like you know Suat Serdar. Um, they can get a little bit more defensive attention maybe than they otherwise would be if you had something like Katucho out there that 
uh, they have to they have to worry about. It's just going to stretch the defense that little bit more, and could help us um, create some things. So two more things I want to talk about before I get into my main talking point, which is getting to David Wagner. But uh, before we get that, you know, the post we did say was not our friend in this one. Uh, there was a couple minute stretch where um, we hit two posts consecutively. It was a 28th minute. Uh, Salif Sane gets up over everyone on the corner kick and I mean, perfect header. Uh, unfortunately, hits the crossbar and does not go behind the goal line. It goes in front of the goal line and stays out. Uh, great header there. Unfortunately, it wasn't on quite on target. And then, it's, I mean, it's, you know, a couple minutes later, Swat Serdar hits the post after um, a Dortmund turn a turnover. I think he tried to walk around the, the goalkeeper and he ended up hitting the post. But uh, two quick plays there. Where it was just a, a that portion of the game where Shaka was putting so much pressure on Dortmund. It looked like they were bound to score. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, I mean, starting with the Sané one. I mean, it was a phenomenal header, in my opinion. I, I mean, it. Uh, he he rose over Witzel. I mean, beat him pretty handily. Uh, was able to get a header to kind of the top left corner uh, that beat hits, and it it actually hit the underside of the bar, but somehow didn't bounce in. I mean, that's how unlucky these were. It wasn't like you know he, he clipped to the outside of it and wasn't quite on target. I mean, it's it's about as on target as a header as, as you can have without going in. Um, very unlucky to not finish it. It was it was very well executed, I thought, and probably deserved a goal. Um, and then, yeah, Serdar, I forgot exactly. I mean, it's been a couple of days now. I, I forget exactly how this happened, but there was some sort of massive mistake defensively with like a clearance or a pass or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it fell right to Suat Serdar, who just fires it with his left foot immediately and um, hits the inside of the post again and yeah. flashes across goal and doesn't go in either. I mean, so once again, like, I mean, that one, maybe you say, hey, you should finish that, but like, it's a matter of inches, man. I mean, like, it it, is. yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't like he shot it like totally off target or something. It just, you know, I think on a on a different day, one if not both of those end up going in. Just the way they bounced was so unlucky in this one. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, massive missed opportunities, and you felt it when they happened. Um, you know, given how inept Dortmund were on the offensive end, we we knew that we needed to take advantage of things. Um, while they were playing that way and try to get a lead going, uh, you know, get the crowd behind us even more than they already were, and uh, you you just you saw those those missed opportunities, and you were really concerned that we were gonna gonna rue them because once again we've we've seen this movie from Schalke so many times, whether it's you know the Hoffenheim match recently, uh, Cologne earlier in the season, those sort of things. I mean, we we, we know what happens when. You know, especially if you're going to play a style, and this this is actually something I wanted to talk about as well. But especially if you're going to play a style that 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 Wagner is playing, which requires a sort of commitment in the work rate and the legs. I mean, your ability to defend is going to diminish as the game goes on. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, you're ultimately going to have there, there's going to be a drop off at some point. It's very hard to keep that up for a full ninety minutes, and so kind of what you what you have to hope is is happening is that. You know, you you disrupt things so much that you're able to grab a goal or two, and then later in the match, you can kind of back off a little bit and maybe sit a little bit deeper and kind of defend a lead. And if and if you don't have that lead, you're in trouble because you you kind of still have to go for the game a little bit, which is going to be opening yourself up to to a counter, and uh, you don't maybe have the legs to disrupt it that you had earlier in the match. So um, that was something I was concerned about from Schalke's perspective. I tweeted out at halftime, I said, like, you know, we, we, we played really well. We, we had a great defensive performance in that first half and disrupted things, but they have Julian Brandt and Torgan Hazard on the bench. 
and I mean, you would you would think that those people are going to get introduced at some point in the second half, fresh legs yeah. against what what is probably going to be a, a tiring Schalke, and that was highly concerning. Um, I mean, luckily for us, I think Torgan Hazard had kind of a stinker in this one, a pretty shocking performance from him. He was pretty bad, um, but I mean, very easily could have could have been a huge issue, and I think ultimately we may have been lucky to kind of escape this one without um, conceding in the second half because it and definitely, this, especially the last 15 minutes or so, right? Like it definitely kind of got away from us a little bit. And I'm going to deviate just, just ever so slightly because this is, you're talking about my main point right now, which is great. And I, and I, and there's more I want to get into. And I really want to talk about this one play real quick. Um, 59th minute. Are we looking at through Shaka goggles where uh, it was a handball in the box against Dorman or am I, uh, are we as Shaka fans just seeing it through blue color, blue, blue color goggles and really it was maybe not a handball. No, I mean, so we've had enough of these on this podcast where I would hope that anyone who has listened to this for long enough would appreciate that we're unbiased. We, tr- we try to be pretty fair about these things. And I have said repeatedly that I hate when these penalties get called because you know, I always feel bad about it when it's not intentional, right? Right. And I don't think this was intentional in this case either. Um, but this this is a penalty. Right. It's a penalty. And there's Dortmund fans on Twitter saying it's a penalty. Yeah. And the fact, the fact that... His like, arm was almost perpendicular to his body. If it was to his side, you'd have been like, okay, whatever. But it was perpendicular. Yeah, I don't think he went for it on purpose, but it was a handball. The DFB released a statement, um, I, think, I think on Sunday, right. basically saying his arm... Like wasn't in an unnatural position, and if you actually watch the video, he's 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 actively trying to move his hand out of the way. Thanks, DFB. That, that's I'm sorry, that's bullshit. If you watch the video, his arm is in a natural position initially, and then as the ball's coming in, he sort of inexplicably throws his arm into the air. Yeah, and then kind of tries to pull away from it. Like he he puts himself in that position. It's a handball. Was that Guerrero? Honestly, it's been a couple of days. I don't even remember. I don't remember. Yeah, the game but, um, threw everything off. Yeah, uh, was that that wasn't Hazard, was it? It might have been. I don't remember. No, it was too early in the game for him to come in. I think. I don't I mean, know. Either way, I mean, I don't either way, know. it was uh, it was Hazard. You were right. It was twenty three or twenty, whatever his number his number is. Uh, but still, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, the fact that I, I don't know what VAR was doing on that, but I mean, Felix Burke didn't even go and take a look at it. And I, I, those are the kind of things that just I think boggle the minds of fans. You you institute this video review system, and then you have a match of this importance, and it's a you know supposedly I mean it looks like a controversial play, and you don't even go and take a look at the monitor. Like, what's the point of having this? And, and so yeah, I'm assuming that somebody at the you know remotely for VAR was was you know talking to him in his earpiece saying you don't need to take a look at it it's not a penalty but like i just i just blatantly disagree and i don't know how in that kind of situation you don't at least jog over it. i mean if he goes over there and he still thinks it's not a penalty i'm going to disagree with him but whatever at least he like look had the it. opportunity to like yeah get a better look at it himself he, he didn't even seem like he was interested in that taking place and so that was really frustrating too i mean to me that's I'm not saying it's like the most stonewall penalty. I think I think I think both of the ones in the door in the uh, the Bayern game for us earlier in the season that weren't called were like clearer penalties than that, if you remember. Yeah. I um. Do. But yeah. So two two post hits, and then a penalty that wasn't given. And it yeah. I don't know, man. It's and it's funny you mentioned you mentioned Bayern because the joke in the bar that I was at was saying, well, if Dorman or if Bayern were playing, they would have gone to VAR and it would have been a penalty straight up. Um, but since they're not playing in the game, you know, they're like, eh, we'll take a game off. 
so it's it, and it's kind of true because every time we play uh, Byron or anyone plays Byron, it seems like they get the penalties. It seems like that at least. Uh, it may not be true, but that's how it appears to everyone else in the league. Um, that, that's so. the way these things balance out over time. When we got the benefit of a VAR decision um, two years the, ago, uh, the hin- the Hinrunda edition of of last year's. Um, the, I don't the, recall the two, that. The two one the two <laughs> the two one loss that. Uh, Caligari ultimately um, put away. I think it was Marco Royce that came into the foul in the box. Yeah, that, that went yeah. to VAR. But um, I mean, imagine imagine if we had gotten that. Suddenly, that that XG difference starts looking like you know close to two XG for Schalke and point yeah. three five for Dortmund. I think that just kind of that tells you a lot about what you need to know about what the quality of the chances were in this one. But <laughs> yeah. And uh, it w- you know it would have been nice to see us you know vault them in the standings. They still remain as one point above us. Uh, you know we could have gone as far as you know uh, in the in the Champions League spots. Um, you know, shout out to Freiburg. They won again. They're back in the top, uh, top, uh, top three. Uh, but um, yeah, so let's get into the main talking point. And the main talking point is for me, and it's kind of what you just you were already alluding to. David Wagner's uh, mismanagement of the game uh, and the substitutions or lack thereof. I mean, you were talking about how, there how you know the way we play the game, we're gonna run ourselves ragged, and we did. And you could tell. I mean, um, starting probably, I don't know, probably like 55th, 60th minute, I started yelling out, obviously, for obvious reasons, for Kutuchu, but we need to make some substitutions. The guys are obviously starting to get tired, and the game started the game started going slower for us, and Dorman started getting more and more into it. Maybe around the 75th is when they fully were into the game. Um, and we, you know, we were watching the t- clock go the 60th minute, 65th, 70th, 75th, the 80th. It, there was no substitutions. Like, what the heck is Wagner doing? Meanwhile, on the other side, Dortmund's got two, at least two substitutions already. Hazard and Brandt came in already, and I, the third one was shortly after our first one. Um, so that was mind-boggling. And then, you know, you finally see Katucci warming up. You're like, hell yeah, they're going to they're gonna take off Burksteller finally. No, he takes off our best player of the game, Robbie Matando, who at least was making the most uh, impact against Dortmund, and they take him off and, and put on Katucci. And I was like, what are you doing? Like it didn't yeah, make any it, sense. It, it, it completely boggles the mind, and it's and the, th- the thing that's so frustrating about it is like we we predicted this at halftime too. We talked about the fatigue that was likely going to be setting in, and we, we would need to have fresh legs. And Wagner is just watching his team slowly deteriorate in front of his eyes, and he just looks completely unmoved by it. I, I don't know what he was watching, but I mean, like, so I mean, like, obviously, Abel Mezarosh, friend of the podcast, and ostensibly a, a Dortmund supporter. I don't know closet or not, but I mean, like certainly seems to lean that way. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that's like common knowledge or anything, but I mean, he, he literally tweets out, does Wagner know he's allowed to substitute? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So these are, these are people that are kind of Dortmund leaning that are, that are like, what is, what is he doing? And I sent out a tweet and I was like, make a sub David Wagner, make a sub. Right, like, right. like, I mean, come on. Like, what what was that? And he so w- once again, we wait what eighty minutes to get Katucho on the pitch. Minute, yeah. And at that and, and at that point, the legs of his teammates are gone, so we, we're not going to be as effective in in creating offensive chances um, or even having possession down there as we would have been. So like any boost he could have given us is going to be immediately mitigated by the fact that the team is not at the level that they, I mean that they were if he had been playing from the beginning. So it's like, what's the point of even bringing him on at that you know at that stage in the game? Yeah, just just mind blowing. I mean, we we sat there watching the clock slowly slip away and us slowly losing a grip on the game. And like, you know, to give to give credit, like I mean, Julian Brandt, Torgan Hazard, come on. I thought Hazard was bad, but I thought I thought Brandt was positive. And then they bring on um, 
excuse me, uh, they, they bring on a kanji and, and the shifting that went on with what they did with Julian Vi- uh, Weigel and a kanji like definitely improved the situation in Dortmund's midfield a little bit and allowed them to get a little bit better going forward. But it was sort of this confluence of events that was, you know, getting dangerous. And, and I mean, like, I mean, can you imagine if we had lost this game? Oh my, I mean, it would be completely on Wagner, in my opinion, and, and and I like him, and I like the way the team is performing overall, and I thought we like had a good game plan for this one. It's kind of similar to what we've been doing in some other things, but like it's working well. The team looks well drilled, but like there's only so much they can do in a match when you're asking him to play that way, and you got You got to help him out at some point. Like what? What was that? We need to find a happy medium between the way Wagner substitutes and the way Tedesco substitutes. He did everything at halftime, <laughs> and Wagner does everything at the end of the game. You know, let's find a happy medium around the 60th, 65th minute or something like that. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so, I mean, so real quick, I mean, we already talked about the Katucci sub. 80th minute is is far too late for him to really make the impact that you wanted to make. So that's pointless. And then he makes a um, like a fresh leg sub and a defensive substitution. He brings on Alessandro Schupf. In the 84th minute. 84th, yep. Like, I, I'm totally fine with that substitution. I don't dislike that substitution. I mean, because Shep can run for days. I mean, the guy's got incredible stamina. That, that I'm totally fine with sort of like a hardworking, um, you know, fresh leg substitution at the, like at some point in the match. He waits until the 84th minute to do that. It's like, what's the point? And then he brings on Kabak in stoppage time. Like, Batting down the hatches earlier. Star. If you're gonna if you're gonna do that, like batting down the hatches earlier than that. Yeah, I mean it just the it, the timing of the subs made no sense to me. It was so frustrating. So it looked like to me sometimes you know when a uh, certain managers they get scared. So the the game plan is going better than they expected, meaning they're not losing and they have a chance to get a point in this one. So they're like, you know what? I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to mess up and leave the same players out there. Hopefully they can figure it out and and keep us at, at the same score line. That's what it felt like. It felt like he's like, I don't want to make a mistake, so I'm going to keep the same guys out there. And, and by not doing, by not making moves, it was a mistake because obviously we were getting more and more tired. Dortmund was getting more fresher legs in the body and getting more into the game. And eventually we made the substitutions way too late. Who could, you know, like you said, they couldn't do anything into the game because everyone else was tired. And so poor mismanagement was led to that 0-0 game. And while... I'm gonna give him full credit for um, the the game plan that came out because they you know we could have scored many goals or just lack of finishing. Um, the reason it ended up zero zero and you know potentially it could have been one nothing for Dortmund is because we didn't make any substitutions uh, or we did but they were way too late in the game and and when other teams fans are pointing it out you know it's a problem and it's not the first game he's done this he's done it many times how many times were the first we we, we you know he didn't bring a Katucha to like 80th minute pretty much every game. Um, and so it, it's just mismanagement. He needs to do better with that going yeah. forward. I mean, I'm not trying to say it's it's Wagner's fault that we drew instead of winning. I thought Wagner set up the team well. I thought we played well. I thought we created the chances to score. We ultimately had an XG of above one in this game, significantly better than Dortmund. Um, like we said, hit the post twice, should have had additional. Pe- I mean, like we, we had opportunities and, and we, we outplayed them. And I think Wagner deserves a lot of credit for that. All I'm saying is if we had ended up losing this game, that would have been on Wagner, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to say like, oh, we 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 drew because he didn't do a good. Enough. I mean, but like, if we had somehow lost that, it would have been hard for me not to blame him for it, just because. Yeah. Everyone. I mean, once again, I, I don't have a coaching badge. I'm not trying to claim I do, and then I'm. You know, this is obviously you know armchair analysis from half a world away from me. But like, when, when the conversation on 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 Twitter from 
which is a s- absurd phrase to even use like already I'm already <laughs> laughing at like you know how stupid this sounds but like when there's Dortmund fans being like what is Wagner doing like when it should be in their interest for him to be doing what he's doing and they're questioning it like like, like this is weird like it's it's like it's it's the same thing with the Bergstar thing there's just things that seem to be happening that everyone can see and agrees with except for Wagner for some yeah. reason and I'm sure he has his reasons and they're probably more well thought out than mine but uh, yeah, that that game made for some very frustrated viewing for me ultimately, and that's why I walk away at the end of it feeling like we 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 missed a huge opportunity there to, um, I mean obviously not, uh, I mean to w- to win a huge rivalry match, but also to um, improve our position in the table. And you you look at the last couple of results from us now at the end of it, and it's like how many how many points did we drop? I mean like we, you can make the argument that we we should have won that Hoffenheim game. Um, Based on the way we played in the first half, maybe I mean like we two late counterattack goals. Like we we I think we controlled that match and let that slip away. We should have won the Cologne game. Should have won this Dortmund game, in my opinion. And uh, that's that's really frustrating. Just see us just kind of like chilling um, at our table position right now, which is I think what like seventh maybe. Yeah. When we when we could have been on the on the top of the league a couple times, certainly could have been a little bit higher. And. Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, once again, still tight. We're not, like, in trouble or anything, but three games in a row with some some missed opportunities, and just, yeah, I'm kind of getting tired of that. Yeah, I am too, and, uh, you know, at least we didn't lose this game, uh, even though it feels like one. We did draw, and so um, we can um, move on from that, I guess, and hopefully we can, uh, we, and by I say we, I mean Wagner and the team can uh, do better going forward. Um, you know the the DP Pokal that we just had this game. Uh, it was a little, little uh, worrisome, but you know we got Augsburg, big time Augsburg, who drew uh, Bayern last weekend. So uh, let's see what we can do against them. They uh, they're not that doing that great this season. They're seventeenth, but that doesn't mean anything. Obviously, they drew Bayern last week. So um, another opportunity. Hopefully, um, <sighs> Berkshire better not start, man. It better be Katuchu. I need to see him start with Matando. Anyway, uh, we'll see what happens in that game. Um, Let's get. Would you be surprised if if no we somehow ended up having significant issues against Augsburg? Because, um, I mean, at Doug Doug J two on on Twitter, who um, we appreciate the interaction from him. He interacts with us a lot. Uh, I mean, he brings up the point that we 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 play to the level of our competition, which is something I've said on this podcast to you a number of times over the years. Times. Um, and it's it's so frustrating that seems to somehow be in the DNA of our team. I mean, outside of the Paderborn beatdown. I mean, look at the results this season, right? Like, we drew Gladbach, who are currently top of the league. We beat Leipzig. We drew Dortmund. But then, at the same time, we almost blow a lead to Bellefeld in, in, in the DFP Pokal. We, we draw Cologne. I mean, like, it's just... For, we, <laughs> I would love to be able to like play a bottom bottom team more consistently and and put in performances like the Paderborn performance. I'm not saying score five goals, but you know what I mean. Like like yeah. win those oh, games yeah. handily, and then have the kind of results at the top of the table that we're having. Like you know, which which is what should take place. Like that makes sense to like, hey, we get a big win against Leipzig, but then you know we can't edge Dortmund, we can't edge Gladbach because those are good teams, and that's the thing that's going to happen. But like, at least if we were winning the bottom half games more consistently, my brain would be able to make sense of that because you yeah. know it, it makes sense that it should be tougher at the top of the table, and it just seems like we always play better for some reason against good clubs, and we just like, I don't know if it's we don't take the lower clubs seriously or what the deal is, but like, ho- yeah, hopefully we don't have a repeat of like the Cologne performance or something against Augsburg. Um, 
because that, that's I mean they're they're sitting second bottom of the table right now, and you know given the the, the missed opportunities the last couple of matches, that is a game that we absolutely need to get three points from. Yes, I agree one hundred percent. And since you since you brought up our man uh, Ed J, Ed Doug J two, um, you know the Choose Blue campaign. We'll kick it off with his video or his audio of uh, why he chooses blue and a couple others, and then uh, we'll get into some of the tweets. Here's why I choose blue. In addition to family connections of coal miners in Geltzenkirchen emigrating in the early 1900s to Belleville, Illinois, to work in coal mines here, how can you not love a team whose mascot hands out red cards to referees? That's why I choose blue. In Columbus, the only black and yellow team we support is the Columbus Crew, a team that has dubbed itself America's hardest working team. The reason why I'm ditching black and yellow this week and choosing blue for the biggest rivalry in all of Europe is to support the hardest working team in all of Germany. It's that hard work that brought us from 0-4 down two years ago in Dortmund to tie 4-4 on our way to a second place finish. And it's that hard work that gave us a win that no one was expecting last year, preventing Dortmund from winning the title. I hope you all choose blue this weekend as Schalke looks to go top of the table again. Let's go. All right, so, yeah, those are some of the videos or some of the audio of, of, of the videos people had sent us or audio people had sent us. Um, uh, with this Choose Blue campaign, we had a, a number of people uh, chime in. I'm just going to read a, a couple of people who tweeted why they chose uh, why they choose blue. Um, so this one comes from uh, J Halbert ninety five, and it says, "Choose blue for the one and only Robbie Matando, of course, and the Daily Welsh." I thought that was funny. Um, what else we got here? Is my some of my favorites? Um, Charlie Trick he wrote that um, I choose blue for the love of the game, the shock of players, and the culture of the team. Weston McKinney is my favorite men, U.S. men's national team player, and I'm comfortable with the blue collar work. And coincidentally, I made a living from mining labor. Uh, so that was a good one. Uh, another one from Royce the Voice. He says, "I support any and all things Texas, and that includes Weston McKinney. Choose blue, vir libindish." Wait, wait, wait. Royce the Voice. Yes. Didn't send us an audio clip. He did not. He I has a handle called Royce the Voice, and he he writes it out. That's that's a missed opportunity right there, my friend. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, this is from Rich, not me. Um, it says people as relatable, myself, relatable, exactly. Uh, people as myself who are from the old coal mining area share many common life experiences. With that said, I feel Shaka and their fans represent the heart and soul of good, hardworking people everywhere who always preserve and never look back. Choose blue, Love that. and then and then lastly, uh, Mandy Verhag. Uh, from Belgium, she writes, uh, because we love Schalke, we support our team in good times and in bad. Once a Schalker, always a Schalker. Hashtag choose blue. So love the responses from you guys. Uh, great stuff. Uh, congrats to all the winners. Congrats to the winners from the giveaways. Um, on that note, Jack, uh, I think we can end on a good note uh, with, you know, with those responses. And uh, let's close this one out, huh? Yeah, I mean, here's here's hoping that uh, next week's podcast is going to be uh, a victory Sunday or whenever we record it, and that we're going to be back on track <laughs> and uh, we can be a little bit more positive. Because, like I said, I apologize that the last couple have been a little angsty, um, just uh, just a frustra- frustrating couple couple weeks here, but still optimistic for what the season can hold. It was warranted, but yes, uh, very optimistic for the season ahead. And keep on tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Shaka Fox Soccer for providing us tidbits on our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at Shaka America. 
We want to give a special shout out to our very good friends at NBC for Nashville for their continued support. And also to our friend for, friend of the show uh, for his two excellent game calls this weekend, Phil Bonney. We hear you, man. Keep it up. Uh, Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Uh, yeah, the, the, the home of uh, the Freaky Tucci movement right there. <laughs> Absolutely. And once again, I am your host, uh, Richard Carmen. You can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. And one, one last shout out to everyone who was, who was with me at the Donor Bistro uh, in Leesburg, Virginia. Virginia, excuse me. Uh, that was a great times there. So until the next pod comes, my friends, uh, stay ready and we'll be with you soon. Shoes.